You're listening to Bits and Pieces on Sunrise Robot. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Edwards from Denver, Colorado. And I'm Matt Duncan out of Gelsenkirchen, Germany. We uh, thrive on the support of our listeners, so if you'd like to support the show, you can head to sunriserobot.net slash support. For episode 29, we've uh, got some news, we've got some albums coming out, and some crazy death metal bands we'll have to talk about. <laughs> but for starters, um, y- you want to tell us about this Spotify Discover Weekly playlist? Yes. So quite often on the show, we talk about uh, our ways of discovering new artists and especially um, with with this little asterisk of uh, discovering artists that are unknown or like, I don't want to have uh, all my recommendations being artists that al- already have like 1 million followers. So I want, I want those little ones. And recently, Spotify introduced a new feature where every week they give you a new playlist of about two hours of length of stuff that's just recommended to you. Now, I don't know the algorithm behind it, but most of the stuff in there is not not the most known artists. So I've got some churches in there, of course, and some Alt-J. But in between those, there's a lot of stuff that I have never heard of. And to be honest, I in, in the, I've, I've listened to the last weeks of, of those playlists. I think I only had to skip about 10% of the songs in there, which is very rare for automatic uh, recommendations. So um, I usually have it running while I'm playing a video game or something. But even then, although I'm not really concentrating on it, if something goes on my nerves, I'm I'm skipping it. And this just doesn't happen. So somehow they found a way to recommend stuff that's actually listenable and not really well known at the same time. So I just got to <laughs> say, I'm really impressed and I'm really satisfied. Um, as, as I said last time, I'm always like, I, I mean, the, the functionality and the things that Spotify does, they do it pretty well. Like, um, at some points we have to do an episode on why their UI completely sucks, but <laughs> for now, let's just keep it at this again that, um, yeah, they're doing some good things there. Yeah, I'll, I'll be looking forward to checking out this playlist more and I wonder if it'll also improve as I use Spotify more regularly. Um, do you ever worry that like kind of like a Netflix thing, like, you know, you let your your nephew or someone come over and watch a bunch of cartoons and then your recommendations are just kind of wrecked forever that someone will come over for some party or something and just play a bunch of shitty music and then <laughs> forever your, your Discover Weekly is ruined? That already happens sometimes when Lars uses my Last of M account. Um, generally, we have... We have overlapping music tastes, but there's some stuff that he listens to that I don't really enjoy. And I, I mean, I can I can listen to it when he's having it on. I can listen to it in the background, but I wouldn't put it on myself. So there's some of it in there, but even then, I, maybe those are the tracks that I skipped. So um, <laughs> he uses my Spotify about 10% of the time. Um, so maybe Discover Weekly is actually perfect and you just have a, a bad sample it's working off. Probably. <laughs> Mm. Nice. No, but but they say that um, it actually does improve. Um, the more you use Spotify, the more data they have on you. I think they are still co- um, cooperating on on the back side, on the back end with Last of M. Um, I mean, from that they already have my data from the last ten years, everything I've listened to. So maybe that's really it. So maybe they just got have got to have a huge sample size, and then they find something. So um, I'm gonna suspect that if you haven't used Spotify a lot in less in the recent times, that um, it's not gonna be as good for the first weeks. But you can report back on that. Yeah, 
And uh, you've also got a, a topic here about uh, Last FM, which is kind of a blast from the past for me. I haven't used Last <laughs> FM in like a decade. Like I remember being in college and like, yeah, you got to scrabble your tunes, man. If I don't scrabble, <laughs> I haven't listened to it. No, it's it's the <laughs> Pixar didn't happen of music. And I remember like, you know, always turning the scrabbler off when you're playing your own songs or yeah. or, <laughs> or something guilty pleasure-ish. Like, I don't want that scrabbled. So Last of Them is trying to give a rebirth. And I mean, I'll admit my ignorance. Has Last of Them stayed relevant for listeners in general? Because I didn't personally use it for a long time. Um, I mean, I'm, I use it just passively. Like every once in a while, I just check my Last of Them and see my statistics just to see like, oh, in the last six months, I've listened to this artist um, exclusively and nothing else. And still my top artist of all time is still Guar with 15,000 or something uh, plays. So um, <laughs> I, it's it's just nice to have those statistics every once in a while. But I don't really use the website for discovery. I don't use it uh, as a, for, for the community aspects or anything. But um, if it does fuel my Spotify recommendations, that's that's pretty cool. Like um, keep scrubbing. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I, last weekend, uh, last week I got a mail that they are now testing the new beta site and I don't know, it's like, um, they felt like their, their website looked too much like, uh, 2006. So they just slapped <laughs> bootstrap on it and changed some parameters. There's so much negative space that a lot of things just, just seem lost or it, um, or one could say that they've lost their soul, um, I'm usually not the guy who complains about redesigns of website, even when the big uh, outcry of the YouTube redesign was happening. Um, I'm usually in favor of that. Like I, I always know that within one or two weeks, I'm getting used to it. And most of the time, there's some usability improvements. This, how, yeah, this, however, I don't know. There's some weird CDN issues going on because I every like half the time when I load one of these pages, it's like one of the style sheets didn't load or something. Oh. Because like their homepage loaded up white, which didn't look wrong at first, but then at the bottom there's this like listening now scroll going by, like a stock uh, yeah. ticker, and I couldn't read any of the artist info unless I hovered, and I was like, there's no way their styles have the song title invisible until I hover, so I don't know what's going on here. Yeah, Last of Them kind of disappeared from existence for me, and it's like, oh, they're doing a beta. Why do I need them? Yeah, I remember the back uh, back in the days when we released our very first album, not the one with the Astray, but with the uh, school band, school rock band we had before that. And trying to get listeners on Last of M was the biggest thing. Like, oh, somebody scrubbled our tracks and we don't even know him. Let's check out their profile <laughs> and see how we can connect and what he or she is listening to. I mean, it was interesting, but... Um, yeah, not a lot happening. I think that's the thing with Last of Them. There, is, there isn't really much happening. It's a very passive side. And that may be kind of its downfall is like it's a really useful utility, but it's not it's not a front end. And so yeah. people forget about it. Right. So kind of following our topic last week of the Lost album and kind of how that draws interest, um, Kurt Cobain, uh, there, will, there will be a new album of solo stuff from Kurt Cobain uh, coming out at the same time as a, a new documentary about him. And the documentary is called Montage of Heck. 
which uh, is an interesting title. And apparently uh, there were more than 100 cassette tapes discovered in a storage facility of material. And from that, uh, an album has been pieced together. And this article notes uh, there's a 12-minute acoustic song by Cobain on these tapes. And, uh, you know, I think one of the most famous things Nirvana ever did was their unplugged MTV set. Um, People kind of regard that as one of the best performances. Yeah, they're still Um, sometimes played on MTV here. Yeah, so interesting to hear from a, a rock legend who uh, you know died about twenty, man, twenty one years, years ago. Yeah. Um, he was twenty seven when he died. Damn. Um, so, do you, will you listen to this album? Uh, do you like Nirvana? <laughs> um, I never really listened much to Nirvana. I mean, I I know some of their songs, but I never really actively listened to them. Um, I might give that album a spin, but um. In general, this this whole thing always seems so strange. Like this is not the first time that an album has been released of an artist who has been dead um, for yeah. some time, or sometimes recently. Like uh, wasn't there with no Amy Winehouse that that album was not released, right? That they scrapped that um, after she she passed away. Um, but it's always so strange. Like um, you would think that. Um, especially with someone like Kurt Cobain that would he really want that stuff out there? Like there has to be reason that these are only demos that never really made it onto an album or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, I, I know I, if, if let's, let's just say that my music was known right now and I passed away. Um, there's stuff, there are some demos where I was, I would think that don't put that on public. It's, it's lame. It sounds stupid. <laughs> yeah. that, like I don't want to rem- be remembered with that. And yeah, but there's dollars at stake. <laughs> yeah, I think that's No, you it. see this happen when, when famous actors die. Like, it's, it's really shitty, but like studios will pull their movies off of Netflix and so forth and then try to sell a new edition of the movie there. Because like for that month, everyone's like, oh, Robin Williams died. I suddenly really want to revisit his entire career. Oh, it's not for streaming now. I have to actually pay for it. <laughs> Just as <laughs> cool to the dollar bin in the grocery store. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying that's happening right now with Kurt Cobain's album, but it it is like interesting, and it's it's a, a tough decision of like, well, it is unreleased stuff, and people would like to hear it, of but course, also yeah. um, trying to you know make that artistic and cultural decision yeah. of like well maybe this should stay in the vault i mean as long as everybody is aware that these were really just demos and i i suspect they will also sound like demos so there's no question about it um i think it's gonna be okay but yeah um th- there is this this thing about uh i don't know if he really would have wanted those to be in public and yeah some people are <laughs> probably just doing that for the money <laughs> the first comment on the Yahoo article about this is, hey, we have audio of Kurt farting. Let's make another dollar. <laughs> He's in his grave looking for another gun. Anyway, this guy apparently doesn't want to see this released. All right, you got to tell us about this Lexus commercial. <laughs> Will I Am is a very interesting character. And I say character, not person, because... Um, I don't think somebody can be like that 24-7. Like, I I think either that or he's some kind of uh, savant like uh, Carl Pilkington or something where you really can't <laughs> distinguish between an actor or his real personality. So there's this Lexus commercial um, that Will I Am participated in. 
Um, to this point, I don't know what his role really was in this, other than attract more views on YouTube. But let me set the scene. So there's this empty runway or something where um, they installed lots of lights and lasers and they kind of made something like a video game where you have to... Um, I, th I think Harmonix made some kind of mobile game in the same vein. Where you, um, It's basically a cheap version of what you play in Guitar Hero, but you only like move to the left and to the right and try to catch those little light orbs. So they built that in real life in order to have it sync to the music. And I don't know if this is a Will I Am track. I, I hope at least it's a Will I Am track playing. Otherwise, I really don't see a reason for him being there. <laughs> so um, he's not even driving. He's he's uh, riding shotgun. He's just so, talking. Yeah. yeah. And um, on his tablet. So and then they have the first go like they drive and within five seconds like he missed something or i don't know what happens like probably nothing happened really and they just wanted to have this little failure moment and suddenly everything goes silent and you see those people in, in the backstage huddling around in the dark and yeah so and then him saying well driving to the beat sounds easy but it's really hard <laughs> And so they drive and they have another go and it works. And so it's just music and three cars like interweaving on this runway and there's nothing, there's no real substance in that. And I really don't know why this exists other than, oh, it's where I am in there. People are going to watch it. <laughs> there's a good YouTube comment. Um, this guy says, this is nothing. I, I, I taped 350 laser pointers to my cat and made him dance to the cha-cha slide. <laughs> um, yeah, this is, this is a weird genre of car commercial where it's like futuristic lasers and wah. And for some reason, that's like uh, desirable for car companies. Like it's some kind of image. And I mean... There's some interesting cinematography going on. There's lots of lasers. You know, it's all well produced, but you just kind of come out the other side of it, going, "Why does but this exist? What it's is not, this for?" It's not just any lasers. What What's the special ability of those lasers? Oh, so there's a very important moment where I am <laughs> says, "My voice is being tracked by a laser." And then he goes, roar, roar, and the laser just <laughs> deforms underneath him. What does that even mean? Like, how is your voice being tracked yeah. by a laser? <laughs> and and so my, my thought was that while they were riding, he would like sing or rap to that track. But no, he doesn't. He just every once in a while, he goes like, yeah, five, six, seven, eight, drop the beat. And but nothing, <laughs> nothing really reacts to it. Like he's completely useless in that scene. Once he's in the car, there's no reason for him to be there. <laughs> and staying with the theme of comedy acts in music. There is a metal band, a Ned Flanders themed metal band called Oakley Dokley, which I found on Reddit. <laughs> what? <laughs> you go ahead. I, I don't know where to start. <laughs> yeah. So I immediately sent this to, uh, you know, and they have the, the very clever album art where they're wearing these dark green sweaters with like the, the bright pink collar sticking out the top. And, uh, the, you know, they've all got the, the Ned Flanders kind of mustache or most of them do. Yeah. One of them doesn't. Yeah, the, the lead guy looks a bit like Walter White on that picture. Yeah, I see a little bit of that. This is a, I don't know, the very definition of a novelty act. Um, but, you know, they're Ned Flanders, but they play heavy metal music. And uh, I don't know, are all their songs about The Simpsons? Or is it just uh, their costume that 
makes people recognize them and it's kind of marketable. I think that they said that the song All That Is Left is actually about being left-handed and that episode about the leftorium, that shop that Led Flan is open for, for left-handed people. So I think there are some connections, but other than that, it's just uh, the theme. Like they, I think they talked about uh, <laughs> funny names for a band and then they came up with Oakley Doakley and just found that the band. Yeah. Uh, and so you have this quote, and apparently there's there's a there's a whole scene here of Simpsons <laughs> novelty bands. <laughs> yeah, they say um, their sound is not as fast as Bartcore and a little cleaner than Krusty Punk. Had net set of the band sound, not as heavy as Homer Gent. Nettle is a happy medium in the Simpsons scene. Yeah, and that 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 whole that whole quote is just way too clever for its own good like they've got nothing else to offer except punning on the simpsons yeah and i i listened to some of their music and i mean i'm not a i'm not really into metal but it did not seem no, very special to no me. <laughs> i thought so either. yeah we can just play a short sample so uh people know what we're talking about here all right So the members are called Headnet, Bladnet, Rednet, Threadnet, and Steadnet. Great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, what do you do with a band like this after the initial, <laughs> like, <laughs> you, you get a little bit of, <laughs> and then you're kind of done, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much so. <laughs> Uh, well, if that wasn't enough on the, the novelty metal act, there's also a, a group called Mac Sabbath, a McDonald's-themed Black Sabbath tribute band. And I, I also don't know what to make of this after your initial... <laughs> um, but they do have some pretty amazing costumes. and They do, yeah. You know, if, if you're going to do a, you know, a novelty metal band, you got to have the best costumes of all time. And, uh, you know, they're all kind of like sexually depraved, deranged faces. Like, I don't know, the grimace gets me the, the most. Like, he's, <laughs> he's got his tongue out and he's got these crazy eyes. He's like... <sighs> what really gets me about grimace, though, is is his right-hand action on the bass guitar. So grimace is on bass <laughs> and they, they made his costume so that his hand is actually... So the, the person's hand is kind of leaving the hand of grimace from behind. So... You don't see the actual hand playing the bass guitar. You just see the hand hovering over the strings like <laughs> yeah. like a cheap uh, pretend uh, uh, guitar playing. And it just looks so fun. <laughs> but then his left hand is just a human hand because he yeah. <laughs> didn't do the same thing over there. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. But also with them, like, I mean, they, they are tribute band. They pretty much played Black Sabbath songs with some changes in the lyrics, but... Um, <laughs> nothing really standing out in that sense so also it's more of a novelty act than actually a, a new musical angle on something we've we've have never heard yeah. before so i don't know maybe we'll have to start reporting on novelty bands and yes you if, know, if if you know of any send those in we we like those yeah um, we also have a new FX plane. Um, you're going to talk to us about filters, EQ filters. Yeah, so um, I thought at some point we will have to address the equalizer and its uses and everything. 
But since Nikolai's is also such a broad topic, I mean, already with a compressor, we could have talked for hours and end. Um, so I thought we could break this down and just start with the elements of an EQ. And these are the filters that you usually use in an EQ. So there are many kinds of filters that are yet, yet you can find in an EQ. And there are many different ways an EQ could be implemented in, in the first place. Um, so what we're going to talk about is the, I guess, most most used kind of EQ, the the parametric EQ. And even with that, we're going to start even lower with the just the basic filters that you most probably going to hear somewhere or use somewhere yourself. So um, for that, I've once again queued up a little sample, a sample we've heard before when we talked about phases and, and flanges and all that. And just show you guys, well, uh, show you the listener what what these filters usually sound like. And, um, yeah, and go on from that next time we talk about something like the EQ. I thought we start with the, the high pass and the low pass. So high pass and low pass pretty much do the following thing. With the high pass, um, you, you set a certain frequency and everything above that goes through unchanged. Everything below that gets cut. Now it doesn't get, get a hard cut. It's not like from uh, below 200 hertz, there's nothing there. It's just gradually fades it out. So, and in the steeper you make the curve, the more artifacts or phase problems you're going to get. So usually it's, it's very, it, it's not that harsh of a, of a change. So what that actually sounds like, I bet you already heard something like that before, but just to demonstrate it. So here's the sample first. Now this is the full sample here. There's nothing changed in there. And then I gradually roll in the high pass. So now the bass is gone. Now the mids are pretty much all gone. And now we've only got the treble left where you can really hear the hi-hats and everything. Uh, a little bit of the guitar left, but there's no bass, no kick anymore. Yeah, and it sounds like you're thing. overhearing someone's headphones next to you. Yeah, yeah, that's the, the best uh, analogy. And the low-pass filter does exactly the opposite. So you set a frequency and everything above that gets cut. So usually you can cut, uh, call a low-pass filter also a high-cut filter and the other way around. So yeah. let's apply that. So now the treble is all gone. We hear the bass and a kick. Yeah, it sounds like downstairs neighbor. Yeah, there's a club next door and you can only hear the bass. Yeah, because usually the high frequencies doesn't pre uh, don't penetrate the walls that well, so they get filtered out. And there we are again. And you can usually combine those two to make this classic telephone effect. So you only just have, mids. Yeah, it's just mids, higher mids, where usually vocal range is. And open those up again. So when do we usually use those? Um, pretty much if you're, if what you are tracking there, like a guitar or a bass or something, doesn't or isn't supposed to have certain frequencies in there you can just cut them and be done with it so let's say i'm recording vocals and every once in a while actually here down in, uh, on the street a bus drives through i get a little bit of rumble through that so i put a low cut on it or a high pass however you want to call it <laughs> and um it um it just filters those out. I don't have to think yeah. about them anymore. And also, there well, you already noticed, like I called it a, a, a low cut because usually I call them by what I want to achieve with them. Like, do I want to attenuate something or boost something else? So, but it's basically the same thing. Yeah, and I, I would distinguish between 
an effect to solve a problem versus yeah. the using them intentionally as something people notice. Because when you are sweeping up and down, you hear that in a lot of electronic music where they will sweep the frequencies, you know, cut the trebles and bring them back in or vice versa. Right. Um, and that's like, you know, a very intentional effect. Whereas, oh, my guitar never needs any frequencies above this or below that. Um, that's just like part of setting it in the mix, but no one's going to sit there and go, you, you low cut that guitar, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Cause it's not something that pops out. It's actually making it pop out less. <laughs> right. In a certain way. And, and mentioning electronic music is also a good example because pr pretty much in any synthesizer, you, somewhere you have some kind of filter, like a low pass or a high pass filter. And I've got an example for that. So I've got a pretty basic saw square tooth mix. So, um, it, it sounds like this if I have it unchanged. Uh, sounds a little dirty, sounds a little lo-fi. And <laughs> w when I apply this low-pass filter now, you will notice how all this grittiness will leave the sound and you're only left with the body of the sound. So now it, it's not that biting anymore in your ears. And when I open it up... There you go. So this is typical, as you said, for some kind of interlude or a build-up in, in an electronic song. Um, one, one of those dimensions uh, where you can play around with opening something up or closing it. Like that's often in music, it's something like let's close something and then open it up again. And this is one of the ways you can do it. Mm -hmm. And going, going back to that sample. So the other um, two kinds of filters that I just wanted to get into this time, um, other than high cut and low, low cut or high pass and low pass. I'm switching around every, every time I say it. Um, <laughs> What you're most of the time going to be using is some kind of bell curve or bell filter or something where um, you're only affecting a small range of the frequency and can boost them or attenuate them. So this is um, useful for only changing part of the signal. For example, if you have a bass that's really flat across the, the frequency and you want to scoop out the mids for the guitar, yeah, you can just reduce the mids, but leave the low end, leave the high end where uh, the, maybe the, the plectrum sound, uh, the, the little click sound happens. And, um, also with the sample again, let's, let's play a little bit with the, with the bell curve. So I've set it up right now. So when I activate it now, it cuts a little bit of the bass, but it leaves the low thump of the kick drum in place. I'm gonna make it a little more drastic. So if you if you try to focus on the the kick, the kick is still there in the, in the low end, but the bass is pretty much gone. And now I'm putting it in again and boosting it. So now you can definitely hear yeah, there's a lot more bass going on. So this is the part where usually trying to learn to use an EQ or using EQ in general that this is where it gets hard. Like where do you put the frequency that you want to boost? How much do you boost it, or do you want to attenuate it? Um, how how wide do you make the frequency range which you want to affect? This is a topic where uh, you can fill books with. So yeah. um, just this was an example where you can just um, affect a small range of frequencies and boost them or yeah turn yeah. them down a bit. As a a rule of thumb, I've heard it's it's generally better to cut frequencies than to add. Right. And so think more like you're sculpting space into your mix for the thing you want. And not so much that you're adding Lego blocks of frequencies because it can get real nasty real fast if you're just boosting, boosting, boosting. 
Right. And also some phasing artifacts once again. Um I've I've never I'm I don't really have the ears to hear those, but I've been told that usually um cutting is better for an equalizer because it does it better. Like it's better at cutting than adding than adding stuff. Yeah. And yeah, just really think about it in terms of, you know, you have 15 things in your mix that are competing for different parts of the the pie and you really need to be judicious about well, my vocals get to own these high mids or wherever you decide to place them. And, uh, you know, I really, you know, I don't need low. And, like, my guitar is very warm sounding, but I have a bass. So maybe I should yeah. cut the bass on my guitar and they get some, they get their own space to live. And, you know, that's a good starting point. And we'll have to do an actual EQ topic where we can yeah. try to dive in more deeply on this. But that's, that's the mindset I go into is making space for everything. Right. And if you have few elements in the mix, then you can start being like, okay, I want to boost the, the piano in that place because there's nothing else happening there. I can make it very full sound and don't have to cut anything out of it. Yeah. So yeah, ironically, the fewer stuff in your mix, the bigger those things get to be. Yeah. So if, if it's just a voice, you can, you can own the entire frequency range. Yeah. <laughs> and... As a last example, um, if you really want to cut out something in a certain frequency range completely, um, you can have uh, you can apply a notch filter. And this is not the guy who invented Minecraft; has nothing to do with it. Um, a notch filter: you set a certain frequency, and in a certain width, there you can just completely cut out the signal. And um, also here to to make it really audible, I've I've made a drastic effect with that and completely scooped out the mids. So. First of all, our sample again, unaffected. And now I'm going to turn on the notch filter. Mid's completely gone. You still have the bass and the kick. You have the hi-hat. But everything in the middle is just really not there anymore. And now we've opened it up again. So now it's only really um, cutting out a certain frequency. I think it's around, yeah, it's, it's around... A thousand hertz. So you don't hear anything that's happening at exactly one thousand hertz, but anything above that and below that, it's it's okay. So it doesn't really have an effect anymore. I seldom use use a notch filter, but um, I, I usually use it when I clean up some video. Like um, if I have a, I, I remember we had a live recording where we taped our camera to a, a metal bar above the stage. And so that metal bar was resonating to a certain frequency and I could actually find out that frequency, put a notch filter on there and that frequency was gone and the sound was a lot clearer from that moment on. So I, I usually only use a notch filter really to clean up sounds that haven't been properly recorded in, in the first place. These were pretty much the, the basic um, filters you will need. Now I didn't go into high shelf and low shelf because I think we could better incorporate those when we talk about the EQs in general because those also have a certain meaning when you want to use them when you don't want to use them so let's you don't want to make this too long here and rather get to our picks of the week and Woo! I think you should start with yours all right my pick of the week is a uh, from the Scottish indie anti-folk folk something I don't know how you describe them um, withered hand is his artist name and uh, he's got a, a whole album called Good News, and we're not going to play the whole album because that's not what we do. This, this, that's not our jam. But uh, I picked the song Religious Songs, and uh, let's just listen to a little bit of it. Cause if it was 
Jesus' blood would never mourn. I'm knocking on Kevin's front door, singing religious songs and getting the words wrong. My hair's getting too long. This congregation, religious songs. I'm getting the words wrong. My hair's getting too long. They're saying. So what I love about this song is, uh, well, it draws you in right off the bat just because there's really sweet melodies, really sweet progression, and the, the recording is very warm and pleasant and uh, enveloping. But uh, the, it's always combined with this kind of wry bitterness in his lyrics. And uh, um, there's there's an interesting story to this this guy. Um, so he, he's, uh, he's from Scotland, and uh, I can't help but hear, you know, there's some harmonies in the chorus, and I just hear like a proclaimer's like harmony happening. And I think this speaks more to the fact that I don't listen to a lot of Scottish artists. So that's like immediately I'm like, they're both Scottish. So and I'm not saying they're the same at all, but um, <laughs> it's just like what happens in my brain because our brains are stupid pattern finding machines. And so it's like, that sounds like that thing because you've only heard one other thing. Um, but anyway, back to the song, um, there, there's a, it's such a combination of like sad sweetness that, uh, I, I really love this whole album and this song in particular is just, uh, really drew me in and hooked me and, um, definitely check out the rest of it. Uh, just a little bit of background on Withered Hand. So he didn't start his musical career until he was 30 and, uh, he actually started out as a visual artist and kind of gave up on that because he just felt like it, it wasn't his, his best avenue to express himself. And his girlfriend handed him a guitar on his 30th birthday and is like, figure it out. And uh, <laughs> he started writing these folk songs and they're just tremendous. Like, you know, they're, it's not that they're, they're, they're not clever or complicated. They're just really good. And uh, I think that's what shines out about his music is... Um, he doesn't need a lot of tricks. He just he just draws you in and makes you want to hear more. Yeah, I just wanted to comment a little bit about the the mix and the instrumentation in general of that song. So um, I listened to that song right after I re-listened to my pick of the week. So I have that fresh in my ear. And I really noticed that the mix there, um, just as we described the, the EQ and filters, it's kind of flawless. Like there's not really much going on in the in the bass region there which kind of caught me off guard in the first place. Maybe it's the maybe it's the version I heard. Maybe that it sounds different if it's not on YouTube and somebody probably ripped it a few years ago from Kazaa or something. <laughs> but uh, it, it, it sounded like there, there could have been more in the bass region there. Um, but nevertheless, um, there is this very classic dynamic between the verse and the chorus where in the chorus typically a lot more instruments join the band and then they leave again for the verse. And this is, as you said, there's nothing really clever or new about it, but it just works. It's one of the cases where you can say this is why we usually do it like that, because it works, because it sounds good. And mm -hmm. um, one thing I also had to go back and listen again once I had it was at about 1 minute 50 seconds in, um, the drummer adds an extra side stick to a uh, side stick hit to the to the beat. And what happens afterwards sounds like he doesn't really know what's going to happen afterwards. Or he just, oh, I'm going to add this now. And oh, wait, wait, where, where am I again? And I just, 
if that is what really happened there, I can really sympathize with it because anytime I play drums and um, <laughs> or if I was on drums or with Salt Disguise in some songs, I always added some extra elements. Like I never played the song the same way twice. And sometimes you just add some little things that you're just not really capable of. Um, not saying that this guy is not <laughs> capable of playing the drums. I mean, he's on a released record, yeah. so he's pretty much has to be a good drummer. But um, every once in a while you add something and you notice, oh, no, I don't know how to keep on going from that. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. It's it's some for some reason it always happens on the drums. On no other instrument does that happen to me. Yeah, I don't know what it is either. Um, it it I just re-listened to that moment and it definitely comes off as unintentional yeah. or like oh, it's not like it's off rhythm, but it sounds like he kind of forgot what he was yeah. doing or resets like, his beat after it. <laughs> Yeah, he, he tried to bring in a fill, but didn't really do it. Like, yeah. Well, I'd say on the whole, <laughs> what I've heard of Withered Hand, this for this uh, main album, Good News, um, it, it kind of has a, a janky production. Like, it sounds really good, but it, it is kind of sloppy. And so, you know, I wouldn't put it past it actually being a sloppy moment in the song. So my pick of the week is Get Well Soon with the song, You Cannot Cast Out the Demons, You Might As Well Dance. And um, I actually found this song through this new Your Mix of the Week Spotify feature, um, which is kind of the reason why I came up with that. So um, I, I listened to this while while I think I was playing City Skylines or something. And it just bashed itself into the foreground because I could not not listen to that song. Um, I'm just I'm just going to play a little sample of it right here. Yeah, so that hook melody completely sealed the deal for me with that song when the first time it came up. And also later in the song, it just builds up more and more and you have those smashing drums, like a lot of toms. Usually I, I'm not a fan of toms in songs and I don't use them myself very much. But in this song, man, the, those drums are smashing. And it's also a German artist, so uh, <laughs> Germany represent. <laughs> yeah, um no, I really, really enjoyed this track, and especially um, it was in the sample you just used, but also an, another point in the song, the backup vocals that come in the first time around 116, um, they, I love them. I don't know how to say it any other way. <laughs> they they were just so good and like exactly the kind of thing I would probably try to do in that part of a song is like, yeah, have the voice. And uh, it kind of plays into a theme about... Uh, you know, at different parts of the song, there's voice and or a couple different instruments, but they're really blended together to sound like one instrument and not to be interpreted as distinct, separate pieces. And, uh, you know, towards uh, the end of the song, you know, around 340, I guess that's in the middle, um, they're, they're doing a lot of that where they're blending several instruments into one thing and it kind of rings out together. And I found that really fascinating. I was a little ambivalent about the spoken word inclusions in the song. And uh, I liked it at the beginning of the song. It was kind of part of this atmospheric intro. Um, but then he takes a break in the middle of the song to have some more of the spoken word. And I found that a little more 
clashing for me. Yeah. And I was like, nah, just keep, keep the good tune rolling. <laughs> um, but thankfully, you know, it's not super long. It's not super indulgent and he, he gets right back to it and, and it's awesome again. Um, and so after, you know, in the middle of the song, it kind of blows up with all those smashing drums you're talking about and you're all excited about that. And then it, it like keeps upping the ante and like blows up even more. And, uh, so a lot of pleasant surprises in this song. You know, you didn't know where it was going to go when it started and it went in a lot of good directions. And with that, we have the end of episode 29 of Bits and Pieces. As always, follow our Spotify playlist and all of our picks of the week that are available on Spotify will end up in that playlist. And we're up to like 45, mid 40s on number of songs. Um, yeah, about that. Close to 50. I don't know. We, you know, if, if we were good, we'd be at 58, but I think Spotify doesn't have every song we know nope. we like to share. Um, but nonetheless, it's a, it's a great playlist. It's growing every week. And uh, you should follow it and, and check out the songs we're picking. And then you can always listen to the podcast when you want to know why we picked it. Um, you can check out our show notes for this episode at sunriserobot.net slash bits and pieces slash 29. And uh, me and Matt both live on the internet pretty much all day. So uh, we love feedback and we're on Twitter. If you want to send us comments, suggestions, songs, novelty, metal bands, whatever, <laughs> um, send it our way. I'm at Medwards Music and Matt, you are at Echolox, E C H O L O X. And uh, while you're at it on our website, you should subscribe uh, so that you get a new episode every week automatically. If you're on iOS, uh, you should download the app Overcast.fm or use the built in podcast app. And then from there, you can search for bits and pieces and subscribe. If you're on Android, check out Podcast Addict or Pocket Casts. And once again, you can search within the apps to find our podcast or clack, you know, tap or click. Don't clack on the RSS <laughs> button and you'll find your way. And if you'd like to support us directly on Patreon, you can head to patreon.com slash sunrise robot. And uh, every dollar you send our way helps us make the network better, helps us dream up new shows or uh, buy better equipment. So things sound even better. There's a lot of better involved uh, with direct support. Better, and, uh, better, better, better. <laughs> I got we'd like to give a song. <laughs> we'd like to give special thanks to our top Patreon supporters, Bruce Edwards and Andreas Langa. We'll see you all next week. <laughs>